Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. George Planner, this is Snuffleupagus. And this is his friend, Big Bird. <laughs> Which uh, one of us doesn't exist? Here. Which one of us doesn't exist? Come on. Well, Hector Mora actually works for me now. So he's not the Snuffleupagus, unless, of course, only I have seen him. What? That's all I got to say. Doink, doink, doink. You don't have the rest of that. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember him by going to church and praising him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? <laughs> Man, that is the clip. I, I remember when you first showed me that. You were laughing so hard you are crying. Because the visuals with that are fantastic. I think it was because of David Achata or something like that, wasn't it? Was. It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. He, he he asked something of me at some point. Like, I, I can't remember what it was. I, I want to say it was something along the lines of, you know, do you have any recommendations for denomination? Or I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe Seventh-day Southern Baptist. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So he didn't reply to it. So he didn't reply. That's all I remember is I was like, maybe I went over the line with him. <laughs> hey, I got some weirdo smack talk today. Oh, let's hear it. Well, so I had wait, to, wait, wait, wait. Before we get into the smack talk. Okay. What are we doing for today's topic? Today's topic is uh, preaching part three. You almost made me spit out my coffee. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> it's such a great classic title. You, you know, know, I, I really, uh, I thought about this. I, I had a dream last night where this was given to me on a cloud. It, it passed down from the heavens and it was like revelatory. You know, those times you wake up, I get that actually. It's, I actually it's sometimes like, get the key to my sermon it, the morning kind, I wake up. It's kind of like, um, what do you call it? Uh, Superman three. You know, yes, classic. It, it's, just, it's just the title, Superman. Oh, and no one forgets it. And and what's even genius about that is nobody has any doubt what that film's about and where it falls in the chronology. Yeah, it's number three. Like Batman, Superman. What do you do with that? Oh, that's right, huh? When's that coming out? Uh, maybe I don't know. Christmas. They're going to compete against Star Wars. That's stupid. That's really stupid. I mean. That's that's not smart. No, not at all. All right, so tell us your crazy smack talk. I want to hear it. I had the weirdest dream last night, right? So <clears throat> I hope I'm, my mic's not distorting because it's turning red on this end. No, you're fine. Okay. 
So I have this crazy dream last night, right? I'm, I'm, I'm having this dream that we're in the zombie apocalypse. And I, I guess I got knocked out and I, I wake up and everybody, Jason Emily from Train Station, who you know, a um, couple other people that I work with, you were actually there. And uh, we, we've all, we're all wearing suits. Was I a zombie? No, it's even weirder. I guess at some stage, someone had the brilliant idea that we should uh, have our heads surgically removed and, and place dog heads on there so we could hear the zombies coming, smell them coming, and alert each other with barking. <laughs> and in the dream, I'm like, this is such a hot idea. I wake up and everyone's got dog heads. And I'm like, oh, hey, your head is a dog head. And you're talking to me and you got this big old like bulldog head. You know, what was hilarious about is everybody's dog head matched their persona. And so like you've got this and you're like, yep. <laughs> and you explain it. And I'm like, that's genius. Why didn't they think of that on Walking Dead? And in the back of my mind, in my dream brain, I'm going, gosh, we must have a brilliant scientist on our team who could surgically remove our human heads. And put dog heads on our human bodies. And we're all wearing suits. So picture this. It's like the the dogs playing poker. Yeah. Yeah. I was you just know, it's like that. we're all wearing suits and we got these dog heads. And and I'm like, I'm like going, wow, this is crazy. And I'm looking around. I'm going around the room, looking at everyone, seeing what kind of dog head they have. And then remember that show Pinky in the Brain? Of course. I told I told Ruben Young when he was renaming everyone on his phone, superhero names. Do you remember that on Facebook? Yeah. I said, you need to put us down as Pinky in the brain. I remember that. And uh, then we then we had the debate about which one I get to be. Well, and, and the then he, he recently reposted on Facebook. Whenever I'm looking for someone on my phone, I realized that maybe changing everyone's name to a superhero name <laughs> wasn't the best idea, which is just <clears throat> so funny. Yeah. I really hope Pinky doesn't come up when, when I call him. I'm, I'm hoping I was the brain, right? Yeah. Well, keep hoping. But but here was the deal, right? So in, in my dream, Pinky and the Brain were on our team, too. And so I, as I'm finding out what everyone's dog, you know, head is on their body, I said, what would you guys do with the brain? And they're like, oh, easy. He, he, we didn't have to change him at all. He's a chihuahua. So that, and that <laughs> kind of made sense, you know. And then, um, and was, then the next thing was, was Hector the, Mora in your dream. Oh, no, no. He would have been a St. Bernard. Because I was just curious. I'm like, was he a Chihuahua? Because that would have been funny. <laughs> That's like calling the big guy tiny, you know? Yeah, but I was a lab Labrador retriever. Like, that's right before the dream ended. And I remember being kind of upset, like, Labrador? I'm not a Labrador yeah, retriever. I, I don't see you as a lab. No, I was really upset. Like, I was actually kind of offended, like, why didn't someone ask me before they operated on me? I, I can't be like, I want to be something else. So I was kind of upset. <laughs> Why didn't they ask me? <laughs> yeah. I, and, and what was funny is now that I'm awake, it's funny, but I wanted to be a Rottweiler, a Doberman, a, you know, and none of those fit me either. Come on. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. A Doberman, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, not a Rottweiler. See, a Rottweiler is too big and beefy, and <laughs> that's just not you. And you probably don't remember this, but like growing up, like Dobermans were the thing. Man. Oh yeah. Like you know, they even had movies. Remember those movies in the seventies about like SWAT team Dobermans, no. and they had the Dobermans that would like go pull off heists, and their whole teams of them. So when you watch that movie Up, and it's got the Doberman that's like talking through the voice box. That's actually a throwback to the 70s. I mean, they didn't talk, but they had Dobermans like doing human things in movies. And I just made, remember Dobermans from Magnum P.I. They were called the Daring Dobermans. Remember? On there what? was like a whole string of movies about them. No, no. Did you see Magnum P.I.? Oh, yeah. Higgins with his Dobermans? Yep. I mean, remember how he could like control them with just hand motions? Yep. And they never liked Magnum P.I.? Yep. Yeah. So my uncle's deaf, and this is really cool. I didn't know this, but deaf people teach their dog sign language. I've never heard that. Yeah. So so the dogs, they do the, the sign for sit, and the dog will sit. They do the, you know, anything they want the dog to do, 
they uh, they, they teach us sign language commands, which kind of makes sense. So what happens when the dog goes blind? Because they all seem to go blind. That's when you kill them. <laughs> <laughs> They're no good anymore. <laughs> no good. Just kill the dog. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Okay. All right, PETA. Don't get mad at us. This, this is only a joke. Hey, don't worry. PETA is never going to listen to this show. That's never going to happen. <laughs> we can barely even keep our own listeners coming back, let alone PETA. Come on. So I had an interesting week. I was all over the place, man. I, I literally, this was like one of the most packed weeks I've ever had. Every day, almost every minute of the day was just busy. Stuff to do. Um. I spoke at an event yesterday that went really well, but it was like crazy. Like my voice hurts today and I don't know why I wasn't yelling at this thing, but even last night my voice was hurting. Here's the thing in Southern California, we have heat, but we don't normally have the humidity that we've been having and it's been miserable. So I was speaking at this event and I'm wearing a suit and people who know me, most of the times, they've never even seen me in a suit. Like, have you, in all the years we've been friends, have you ever seen me in a Not suit? Not in person, no. Because I don't wear them anymore. Like, I've got all these these suits that I used to wear as a financial planner. And since I rarely take on new clients in the financial planning business, I rarely wear these, these suits. So I'm speaking at this event, and um, it is so hot. <laughs> I'm, like, literally dripping water off my head we're indoors but it doesn't matter i am like like just sweating like can be and uh, it was pretty crazy man but it was good that's it was awesome a fun event. i hate that feeling you know i did a wedding last week and i had oh. to wear a suit oh my yeah. gosh it was outdoor wedding but it was on the cliffs over at dana point at four in the afternoon it was still hot yeah i was gonna say was there even a breeze yeah, we were right off the water, man. Because we that's about the, the only uh, saving grace on a wedding like that. At this time, it's been so hot. I mean, yeah, we were at the Chart House. You remember? You, do you know the Chart House in Dana Point? I do not, dude. It's on the cliff over the harbor. It's stinking cool. If you went over the rail, and that's how I wanted to make my exit, was everyone's going down the aisle, and behind me is like this cliff, and I so badly wanted because you know you're standing there as the preacher, you're like the last guy up there. And and before it, I was like, how cool would that be if I could like hop over the rail and just like, you know, it'd be really cool like if like I you had the cliff. Goodbye, if you had everybody. a parachute underneath your coat and all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, you rip off your coat, everyone sees the parachute and you just go run and jump. Well, there were there were two things that that came to mind about that. It's funny because you just gotta live inside my head a bit. Like I thought that. And then I thought, wouldn't it be cool if suddenly like bat wings came out from like my suit? So that the excuse for wearing the suit is really is like it had your 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 back cape in it. And then your your back cape wings unfolded and you glide it down. Or you jump over the rail and Gandalf comes up on a giant eagle and you just hop on his back and you fly off. Now that is making an exit. Yeah, but see, you can't really make that last one happen. The bat wings no. you could do, you're not gonna live, but you could have bat wings come out of your suit. I, I'm actually shocked at you, Pete, because uh, as the guy who buys blow-up remote-controlled dolphins, surely you could pull off a remote inflatable Gandalf on a giant eagle. But not that you could jump on. Yeah, that's true. Check, please. I'm just saying. And Unless it was like a mid-sized blimp. You'd have to be really rich, though. You could probably pay for it with the money you made this week. I, it was a good financial week for me. It was a good week for you. I mean, when, when church planners are packed out, they make no more money than usual. But when you're packed out. <laughs> when, yeah, this was a good week, man. This was a good week. This, this, was, this was one of those weeks that I look back on and I go, you know, if I could pull this off every week, I'd never deal with church planners ever again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't make a penny off church planners. <laughs> could you imagine that? <laughs> I'm rich now. Forget you guys. I'm out of here. Hey, it's not like you run exponential or anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by Mogiv. Give me an M. M. Give me an O. Oh. 
Give me a G. G. Give me an I. I. <laughs> Give me a V. V. What's that spell? Mo-give. Not Mo-give-y. Not Mo-give-y. Mo-give. G-I-V-M-O. I mean, M-O-G-I-V. What I think is awesome is the story you were saying about uh, the train station. You got to tell everyone that. I was talking to Kent from Mo-give last night. Uh, my my Mo-give uh, giving portal disappeared off my site, which is a bad thing. Uh, for new breed, but, uh, it wasn't their fault. It was actually our website's fault. And, uh, so I called him up. I told him that story and he, he thought that was hot. Well, but yeah, I was tell I was everyone teaching. else the story. Well, eventually say, I like to build it up a little bit, you know, build the suspense, create a little bit of mystery and intrigue. And, uh, so what happened was, um, I'm teaching train station and I have this exercise. Well, tell everyone what train station is because not everyone's going to know what it is. So train station is a learning collective for church planners. A lot of people like to use the word cohort, which means you read a chapter in a book and you talk about it. Uh, A learning collective is a bit different. It's where you're interactive. You're, you're, you're actually, we're learning from each other, but we take guys that are seasoned veterans, guys that are just getting ready to plant and guys that have never planted at all. And we put them in a room together and we extrapolate. Can you hear the train going by my house right now? No, I just heard a train station. I just heard a train. So what we do is we, you know, we, we go through an issue, we deconstruct it, we have instruction and then we have what's called reconstruction. We put it back together. So I want these guys to see how deep the rabbit hole is or how complex the issue is and then take New Testament principles, apply them and then put it all back together. And so it's very interactive. Well, anyways, so one of their homework assignments to kick it off uh, at the week before when they left, they were going to come back and have 25 easy dance steps for planning a church. And what I was trying to show them was often it's a cart before the horse. They get all this other stuff in place and they don't do all the stuff that the apostles did frontline, you know, the prayer, the evangelism, that kind of stuff. And so they were listing off the 25 steps. And one guy he listed as his step. He didn't say funding, finances. He just goes, Mogiv. <laughs> <laughs> and and from, you know, there's like 15 people in this thing. And and someone else goes, it was actually two people go, M-O-G-I-V. <laughs> <laughs> and these are not people I know. You know? So I'm like, man, I, I don't, you know, like that was awesome. I actually stopped and started laughing. You know, so that's when you realize just how far your influence really is, Peyton. No kidding. Right. Like, you, you, yeah, actually, I didn't realize these people listen to the podcast. So I don't push the podcast. You Dude, know? that actually reminds me of the uh, I, I went out on this appointment on on Wednesday. Now, the interesting thing about this appointment, this appointment was with one of my financial clients. Now, they've been clients with me, um, I don't know, eight years or so for a really good amount of time. And um, they've only known me as a financial planner. So kind of the way it works for me is I don't tell people about my marketing business who are financial clients because uh, financial clients usually think that all you do all day long is sit in front of a computer and watch the stock market. And the reality is, is really no financial person does that except for the guys um, who manage the mutual funds and things like that. Really, what we are is we're salesmen, right? So all day long, we're you know looking at how do we find a new client. Well, so they they don't understand like how can you do marketing as well? All they're thinking is all you could do is financial planning. Whereas my marketing clients, I tell them you know I got started in this because of financial planning. I had to learn how to market to bring in clients. <laughs> so I don't really the the point of me saying this is I don't like to blur the lines with my financial clients because they kind of like to see their financial planner as a certain way. And I don't want to ruin that for them and let them see behind the curtain. So anyway, we're talking, I'm handling your money. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of like that. Yeah. You don't want that to happen. So, so um, we're talking and um, she gets my newsletter. Now this is not my marketing newsletter. uh, My client, she gets my financial newsletter. Which is a which is uh, totally different than my marketing newsletter, with the exception 
of the Costa de Mitchell section. So if you guys don't get my newsletter, you won't understand this. You really should get my newsletter. It's really good. <laughs> if you do so, say so yourself. If I do say so myself. No, it is good, man. You know that. So um, the Costa de Mitchell, a few months back, I wrote about our experience at the church plant with, uh, you know, we're in the middle of Bixby Park. Charlie's preaching. And all of a sudden, uh, a fight breaks out between uh, a couple of uh, of uh, homeless people. And because Charlie came. Well, everything happens when Charlie's there, man. Everything. And, you know, the scissors came out and the scissors are swinging wildly and he's trying to stab the other person. And and so, you know, and I'm calling 911. So I tell this story in the Casa de Mitchell. And um, and so, you know, she gets that. And so she's like she's really interested because uh, she lost her husband a few years ago um, and they're really devout Catholic. And so she's found herself at, at this stage in her life really um devoting a lot of times to uh christian uh, uh well catholic charities and in fact her her son is now uh, apparently in the seminary and i didn't even realize that but you know the loss of uh his father and he's like you know everyone's just focused on money and there's more important things and so um you know i'm going to go into the seminary and and he's already a cpa so i mean not an enrolled agent he took all the tests and became a full-fledged cpa and now he's decided he's going to go into the seminary and so oh. she's like, yeah, so what are you doing with this church planner stuff? And, well, your friend, he's the church planner, right? Because she can't see me having anything to do with the church plant because I'm the financial <laughs> guy, right? And so I'm like, yeah, my friend, he's the church planner. And um, and then she says, like, the, the scariest thing to me ever. Oh, so tell me about this podcast you've got. <laughs> and then she says, you got to send me one of those episodes. And I'm like. Oh no! Oh, what have I said on this podcast? I can't let her hear this. Worlds are colliding. They're, they're coming together. Stay on your own side of the fence. Stay on your own side. Well, don't send her this episode. <laughs> no, it's just scary because then you're like, wow, they're going to see this whole different side to me. I mean, they see me as one way, and you know, and then everyone on the podcast would be like, how do you see Pete? <laughs> you know, everyone who listens to this because. Anyway, that's just that that was something that happened this week that I was like, oh, man, I I don't know if I want her to go. And I, I get, she goes, she, you know, send me an episode. And I go, oh, well, you know, it's on your phone. If you got an Android or a, an, an iPhone in the back of my head, I'm going, please don't listen. Please don't listen. It's funny, man, because there, there's always this this kind of balance, you know, on one hand where, you know, I remember um when I was writing Church Zero, I had something in there that was really funny but slightly inappropriate. And, uh, and your I, whole I, book I, is slightly inappropriate. What are you talking well, about? But this was kind of like it was an illusion. I didn't cuss. I didn't, you know, I don't cuss in my personal life. But here's the deal: I, I kind of, I made a funny joke, which you know had to do with the 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 word apostle, big A, little A, and. And I, I just made a comment and I had a preacher I respect who was reading it and he goes, Hey man, you got to take that out. And I said, Oh, I thought I had edited that out because no way would I put that to print. But he said something important. He said, you know, people can't uh, learn from you if they don't respect you. Mm. And that was very, very true. <clears throat> well, and then just, what are we doing this podcast for? <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> that's the thing. And, and that that's part of it, but often in spiritual things, there's there's like a balance. There's kind of like that proverb that says, rebuke a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And then the next verse says, do not rebuke a fool according to his folly, lest he hate you. And so it's telling you to do two opposite things. Situationally, you have to interpret which of those proverbs is the right action. So it's a judgment call. And, and so what I've also found equally as true as that point that guy, that guy made was sometimes people learn from you better when they realize you're just a normal dude. And it's kind of like, oh, like the disciples in the scripture. Really? Uh, God can use those knuckleheads? Well, I'm seeing all their mistakes. I'm real. So then when I see Peter, um, and I, I see him as a weak guy, but God really fills him with the Holy Spirit. Now there's hope for me. And so I have chosen on this podcast to err on that side because 
It wasn't until my reputation was trashed in Wales. I was like the golden boy at one stage of reform circles. And then when that situation I talked about, that church happened where they kicked my teeth in and I quit. Um, even though on the ground, um, I had held to my integrity. We had won the church over. The, the leadership had split down the middle and we'd kind of won the battle if there ever is such a thing. Um, it looked bad when I quit. It looked like I was in the wrong, but I really felt the Lord tell me to quit. But suddenly my reputation, they were just going off about how evil I was and um, on and on. And I never defended myself. You know, I just kind of quietly walked away and said, I'm not going to hurt the cause of God. I mean, sure, they're boneheads, but God can use them. And I just moved on and, and, and took my job in a Starbucks. And my reputation just kept going down, down, down. And yet I found as soon as I lost my reputation, it, it, it not, not in, in a scandalous, like sin sort of way, but when I stopped being the golden boy, I stopped caring about being the golden boy and it freed me up to really follow God because if God called me to do something, I just did it. Like it didn't matter to me anymore. Well, what would people think, you know? And I think a lot of times on the podcast, um, when I, when I came back to America, God was like, Hey, do you want to be liked or do you want to be used? And, and, and I remember saying to the Lord, God, you know, be really cool to have both. It's been a long time since I've had both. And God was like, nope, you don't get to choose. There's there's one of two ways that you can either be liked and be popular or you can be used. And for me, over the last four years, I keep opting to be useful and rather than uh, than be liked. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's um, that's that's sometimes, uh, you know, what we got to think about and how we got to, you know deal with these yeah. situations that come up and whatnot, but yeah. I went off on a tangent. You there. did. Sorry. You did. I did. I, I couldn't, I couldn't bring it back in. I was, I was trying to lasso that sucker down, but it was gone. But I will say this. It's different when you write things and when you say things, because when people are reading it, they have <laughs> to, uh, they have to interpret what you meant. Were you yeah. actually joking when you said that, you know, they can't, they can't hear the tone of your voice. They can't see the twinkle in your eye when you're, you know, I'm being a smart aleck kind of a thing. Whereas on the podcast, they may not be able to see us, but they can certainly hear us. They can hear us laughing in the background <laughs> when we say something that's, you know, totally off or whatever. So, I mean, hey, I did an interview yesterday and uh, you weren't there and your snide remarks were missed, my friend. Well, did you send it to me? I need to put it up on hardcore. No, I got to send it. All right. Well, I got to edit it too. I think we should actually get on with our topic because um, we're, we're down to limited time. So, uh, Doc, take us away. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Well, oh. the topic today is oh, wh preaching. Wh what am I doing? What do you mean? Oh, wait. We already did the MoGib commercial. We did. Oh, I, we just told the story about MoGib. Oh, so by the way, uh, <laughs> sign up at MoGib.com forward slash church. Mo give hey uh did yoda do his thing yeah he did because i just i played batman and then i went right into yoda and i hate that yoda clip we really got to get someone who can do yoda better man how did i miss that and the the bad thing is i have so much more smack talk now that yoda comes up but okay getting into our Mama mia, that's a spicy meatball okay what's the topic so we're going to talk about preaching today, and we've we've talked about like being, uh, you know, the challenges of preaching. We talked about the attack that preaching's under. Talked about the prophetic nature of preaching, but I want to talk about something that really gets kind of under a lot of what we've talked about so far, and it's it's the concept of unction. And you know, you could be a public speaker in any walk of life and not need unction. But, I don't even know what that word is, dude. Word. You, you gotta like, you gotta decode that word for me. Absolutely. So, so it's an old school word. Nobody uses this word anymore. But if you read the old preachers, they talk about it, and what it literally means, you know, uh, is, uh, you know, you hear people talk about an anointing. Um, you you hear people talk about spirit empowered preaching. You can call it whatever you want, but the real question is. Do you have it? And John Witherspoon, Witherspoon, he was an old Puritan. He wrote this. When I was about 16 years old, a green preacher, 
I search for the way to minister life as well as the words of faith. I noticed that some preachers would preach excellent messages. They spoke truth, and when they sat down, I often had the urge to clap. But occasionally, others would minister who gave more. They too spoke truth, but it was delivered with the very spirit of truth himself, and that preacher ministered life. Jesus was real and present in every word. When they were finished, I didn't want to clap. I wanted to pray Mm. and glorify God. What was the difference? I didn't know, but I knew I wanted to be that latter kind of preacher. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. One guy, one guy talked about hearing Charles Spurgeon preach, and he said he felt as if every feather had been plucked out of him. Um, another story, uh, Lloyd Jones, when he was preaching at Sandfields back at the turn of the century, you know, he's there in like 1920 to 1920, or sorry, 1927 to 1938. And they're, they're across the street. There's a busy street that the church was on. Just across was a medium. And someone invited, there was like this mini revival breaking out at the church in Sandfields down in Port Talbot, Wales. And this one was a medium. And the church secretary lived right next door to her. And so I think it was them that invited her. But she came, and as she stepped into that that uh, that chapel, they, they, they said to her, um, what'd you think? And she was stunned. And she said he had a spirit about him. Hmm. And she goes, I know spirits, but I've never discerned a spirit like this before. And they said, well, what do you mean? Like, what kind of spirit? And she, she was struggling to find a term that would adequately talk about the spirit that she had experienced. And she looked at this lady, and this was my friend's grandmother. It was awesome living there because I, I got all kinds of stories that weren't in the books. And she said to her, it was a clean spirit. Hmm. And, and I found that fascinating. So here's a woman that probably doesn't read the Bible, isn't a Christ follower. You know, the Bible calls these others unclean spirits. And it's the opposite of the Holy Spirit. Because when we talk about holiness, the Holy Spirit, you're talking about something that's clean, something that's different, something that's, that's holy, that's pure. And, um, and that's what she experienced. And, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about something preaching is a gift. I mean, Paul outlines it in Romans 12 as a spiritual gift. So it's not the ability to publicly speak that some people think, Oh, I can, I can handle a crowd. No, you can't prophesy at will. You can't speak in tongues at will and you can't heal people at will. Therefore, in the same way, preaching does not always accompany the Spirit's power. You can be talking from the pulpit, but that does not mean that what you just did was preaching. Hmm. Preaching is a partnership between you and God. I can babble a bunch of syllables. That doesn't make it tongues. It has to be the Spirit giving me utterance. And (laughs) sometimes in the pulpit, I have to confess, sorry, everyone, it was just me today, right? And uh, Lloyd-Jones once said, there's nothing more distressing than to be in the pulpit and to realize that you are utterly alone. That's where like the cold beads of sweat appear on my forehead where I'm like, I'm flailing, I'm flailing. You know, you're up there and you, you just don't sense that power. And um, I don't know, man, I, I, I think this generation, I'm, I'm saying this, I think this generation, this would be new, right? Like the old style preachers, they knew exactly what this was, where they would say, I felt helped today or, you know, God was with me today. They sense that, that power of God. Right. Um, yeah. I I mean, I I don't know if it's interesting hearing that because I think part of the thought that I have going through my head is I wonder, and I don't know if this is a fair thing to even ask. I, I wonder how much this is talked about in our seminaries of, um, you know, really what, what preaching is. I, I don't know. Having not attended seminary, I don't, I don't know these things, right? I, I don't know what's discussed. I don't know if it's like, you know, really impressed upon people what they're doing up there. And, and the reason why I, I wonder that is because a lot of pastors, not certainly not all, and 
I don't even know that I can say most, but a lot of pastors are also professors. Yeah. Um, certainly as you go up the chain, as far as like the bigger churches are concerned, you've got, you know, authors and things like that. And you have people who have a platform who are used to speaking in front of crowds of their peers. Yeah. Um, and you know, for them, do they see, and I'm questioning this, I don't know. Do they see preaching as, well, it's another lecture for my students, right? Yes. Or do they see it as like what you just described? Look, okay. That other stuff, you can be a lecture, right? You're a professor. Go ahead and lecture to your students. Yeah. Um, you're a speaker at Exponential. Go ahead and speak to everyone there. But when you preach, it's a different ball game. I mean, that's what I just took away from this. It's yeah, a totally absolutely. different ball game. And, and I mean, you got to realize this is a partnership between you and God. And it, I, when I say partnership, I don't mean like an equal partnership. Yeah. This is uh, you are by far the junior partner. You are literally the vocal cords for God that day. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't know if you you were with me, right? When we were at Exponential, and we and and I like a lot of the speakers at Exponential. I mean, you know, you got Hugh Halter, you got Alan Hirsch, you got these guys, and they sure. But we only like them if they've come on our podcast as a guest. (laughs) But they, but they, you know, they share good things and they share good thoughts. But I remember the year that Ephraim Smith was there. Remember that? Yeah. And that brother preached. Man, he he preached, and there was there was fire in the pulpit, man. The old saying is, if there's not fire in the pulpit, there won't be fire in the pew. And, you know, that, that he brought it, man. He brought the fire. There was a zeal. There was a, there's a sense in which the dude is taken up with the truth. You know, you can't preach. And, and Charles Spurgeon used to get really frustrated with his students. And he said, you can't preach about people going to hell and not weep if you really believe it. You can't talk about you know the greatness of your salvation and not get excited if you believe it and so it, it, it to a certain degree i mean we talk about these things like we're reading the phone book sometimes and uh, i like i like what no one not many people will know this um <laughs> this guy but his name was john elias i read this stuff man um he was an 18th century preacher in north wales and this is uh, how somebody spoke of his preaching. He was known as the one-eyed preacher from the North. He's had an eye poked out. But uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what he said. It's easy to understand from Elias's manner in preaching that he is anxious for the salvation of sinners. He does not in the least spare himself. The feeling on his mind in their behalf is apparent every time he enters the pulpit. The language of his soul to his body on that all-important subject, one would think, would run somewhat in this manner. You must become a sacrifice now for one hour, and you must endure all my fire animation. This is like the Lord speaking to him. You must endure all my fire animation and exertion, however powerful. If common Christians, on account of their zeal, are compared to a company of horses and Pharaoh's chariots, what should preachers of the gospel be likened to but as a flame of fire? And, of course, that's quoting um, you know, Hebrews where it says he makes his servants flames of fire. And uh, the word angel, by the way, is messenger. And so it, it, would, it would apply. But uh, that's why you can say that preaching ought to be prophetic. It's not on the same uh, note as the scripture, but it should be the spirit traveling the familiar groove as the scripture is laid out, as the text is exposited, and that the arm of the Spirit thrusts home the sword of the Word of God into men's heart. And that's the point. And that begins back in the study. You know, when when you're preparing, you're seeking the Lord. You're not saying, God, give me funny stories. God, help me entertain people. You're literally saying, God, speak to these people. And Artaxerdia hmm. uh, once said that that back in the study, if you approach it in that way, where you're literally seeking God in your preparation, he says, you know, your your office becomes more than a desk, chair, or library. It becomes, and I love this phrase, he says, it becomes a sacred study where man breathes in the spirit of God like air. Whoa! <laughs> you know, and, 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 and you're to have your ears open, you know, you're, the spirit pouring illumination in your mind, you know, um, like that guy, he was in a, a, a period and he was in a famous debate 
uh, I think it was during the Westminster uh, Catechism. Um, the Westminster divines met and they were debating and they were saying what, you know, what should, it was either that or the Council of, of Nicaea. I can't remember what it was. But anyways, it was an important thing, you know, dealing with orthodoxy. And the guy, you know, he was writing notes. He was delivering these brilliant talks. And he was swaying the meeting towards gospel truth. And when uh, they, they kept noting he was writing, and they, they assumed that he was writing all these brilliant notes while the, the other guys were speaking. And when they looked down at the end of the meeting, all he had scrawled on his paper was the repeated phrase, more light, Lord, more light, Lord, more light, Lord. What does that he mean? He was more illumination. Spirit, open my eyes. Give me more illumination. Give me more insight. Give me more mm. um, uh, revelation into this. You know, give me how good. Help me go beyond what he was really saying was more light. Like from you, God, um, give me more enlightenment, more understanding that I would normally have. And that's where Paul says in Ephesians one, where he says, "I pray." that you would be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of him. And, and, and what he's asking is, you know about Jesus, but I pray the spirit would give you wisdom. He would blow your mind considering your knowledge that, that you would, you would appreciate more of Jesus revelation and wisdom in your knowledge of him. So your knowledge, Oh yeah, I know Jesus, you know, yeah, Jesus, you know, like the Doobie brothers, Jesus is just all right. Oh Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, you know, the spirit just blows your mind. You're worshiping or you're hearing something. And like what that guy said earlier, where it made me want to get on my knees. It made me want to repent. It made me want to, you know, dedicate my life to the Lord. Therefore, in, in full view of God's mercy, right? That's saying insight, wisdom, revelation, full view, a, a revealing of God's grace. Therefore, I urge you, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, the revelation is so powerful that it moves you in your soul and that leads to action and life change. That makes sense. That's a goal of a preacher, man. There should be nothing less than that. We set the bar too low, man. That's my point. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> I don't even, I mean, it's just, it's a lot to soak in what you just said. So, yeah. you know, I guess my follow-up question to all of that is, since you train church planners, how do you train them in this? That's a fantastic question. Um, I think one of the things that's really important to do is to listen to preaching. And we're in an age of the internet um, where I can go and I can listen to guys. And there are guys where when you hear them, it's very obvious that what they're doing is they're giving as many facts as they can in the amount of time they have. So those guys would probably be like the classic teacher. And that's, that's fine. There's no problem there. Um, but, but you need to listen to preachers and a preacher will be someone where, like what they said earlier, the whole man is involved in it. Like you said earlier, it's not a lecture. And, and as you, you, you in particular, you have to go back, unfortunately. You have to go back and listen to the guys from before. And I, I love when the naysayers will be like, oh, no, you can't preach like they used to. That's true. You can't use that language. You can't go through like the, you know, 27 points like the Puritans. You can't preach like the Puritans. We're not saying that. But there was, you know, you can listen to Tozer. You can listen to illustrate this perfectly. You go back and you listen to J. Vernon McGee. Mm -hmm. on through the bible remember yeah doctor you know i've always believed <laughs> and he and he was totally against guitars yeah 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 he, oh well spurgeon was against pipe organ he called it the devil's instrument right? was he really well he hated the pipe organ and uh and and so you know uh, the old bible uh, says it's a, a six-stringed instrument not a five-string <laughs> Never a five-string banjo. That's the evil number. But you know, that's a, there's five points on a pentagram. But here, here's the thing. You know, let's let's just put Jethro aside for a second here. Um, the reality is, you listen to you know, you listen to the Daily Show and be like, dear Doctor McGee, I've been on the Bible bus for ten years now. You know, he had that 
that daily, you know, right. uh, through the Bible broadcast. And he'd just be sitting in his desk. He'd just be talking to you about this chapter means this. And he'd be postulating. He'd be conversing. And he'd be like, I always believe that if Jesus lived today, he'd put Weber's out of business. That's how he talked, right? And then, but if you heard him preaching, so they used to play on Sunday mornings really early at like 5, 5.30 a.m. They'd pray, play him preaching. Same with Wearsby. Wearsby had a back, back to the Bible broadcast. But if you heard Warren Wearsby preach, wow. His Sunday morning when he was in that pulpit, there was what we're illustrating here. There was that fire. There was a difference in what, mm-hmm. and he, the, both of those men knew that what they were doing in both occasions was different. They were teaching the Bible, just, hey, th- these are facts. This is teaching. Um, here's information. I'm taking it. I'm transferring it to you. But when you hear them on the Sunday morning in their pulpits, they were transformed. There was a prophetic um, wrestling with God that happened. There was a delivery, not just of content, but of God's heart. And, you know, I remember hearing J. Vernon McGee preaching on a Sunday morning, and he'd be like, and when God said, you know, he was just consumed with it, man. And I'm not talking about like just whipping up a frenzy or whipping up energy. Um, you, you don't ever want to manufacture this stuff or think, you know, I got to get really excited. And then we're not talking about that. Um, we're talking about that sense of your preaching that it is truly supernatural. It brings the presence of God. It has what Tozer called the O factor. And this is what Tozer said. When the heart on its knees moves into God's awesome presence and hears with fear and wonder things not lawful to utter, the mind falls flat. Words which are previously its faithful servants become weak and totally incapable of telling what the heart is hearing and seeing. In that moment, the worshiper and the listener can only cry out, Oh. And then he asked, how is your O factor in the pulpit? <laughs> so, I, But I, to me, I think it still comes back to that question. So how do you, how do you teach church planners to have that? How do they focus on that? I mean, yeah. Um, and I think, I think probably where, where this, that, you know, questioning goes is, you know, I think last week or maybe the week before when we were talking about preaching, you know, you talked about um, doing business with God in the green room before you went out. Yeah. And um, I'm just thinking that maybe that's what the answer is. I mean, you can't really you can't really train someone for that other than the humility that they need to have. Uh, and you can't train them to have humility, but you can impress upon them the humility that they need to have. Like, uh, you know, what they're about to do, where they're about to be. Uh, standing and and I mean you know perhaps what helps that humility uh, humility factor is and by the way what you're going to be accountable for saying <laughs> you know? yeah you know I think the answer to that question is is really like I said before that that you want to go and you want to hear these guys just probably more than anything else just to know what you may be lacking the first time I ever realized that you know I. I may not have been preaching. I, I literally, I listened to Peter Jeffrey, who was discipled by Lloyd Jones. He became my mentor. He was a reason I ended up at, at Sandfield's, Lloyd Jones's old church as the evangelist. But Peter Jeffrey came on a preaching tour to California. And I'll never forget hearing him preach. And at the end of it, I remember in my heart just thinking, I don't know what I've been doing up till now, but it hasn't been preaching. Hmm. That was real preaching. And uh, you, you probably had, you know, you probably had moments like that, Pete, in your career where you just saw the master and you're like, man, well, to to be frank about it. No, (laughs) no. In my career, the non-spiritual realm, I pretty much was the master. Yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Do you ever watch Doctor Who? Are you a Whovian? You know, I should be because I lived an hour away from Cardiff. I am such a Whovian, and uh, I am the master. I have been in the museum. You would be the doctor if we were Whovians. You would be the doctor, and I would be the master. Oh, nice. I I think you just insulted me. No, no. You'd be Doctor Who. You'd be the doctor. I don't know what that means. (laughs) 
<laughs> the doctor is the main character. The master is his evil nemesis. Oh, who's also his friend, but it's his so evil nemesis. We're kind of like uh, unbroken. Where you're Samuel L. Jackson with the big. I'm uh, just glad you said unbroken blast. and not broke back mountain. That's all. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I will never make that comparison. I can't even watch that. Oh, I can't I couldn't watch either. that movie. I couldn't either. I don't care how good the scenery is supposed to be. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm with you, man. Hey, but I, I but am back too on homophobic for that. I am honestly. But back on topic for. <laughs> Back on topic about preaching. <laughs> we just went from Brokeback Mountain to preaching. <laughs> See, people right. don't know that we just took a break in the middle of our podcast because you had a call to make, and now we come back, and this is our normal time for for oh. recording the podcast. And I think we're, we're just getting warmed up again, so we got to so no, 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 no. Let me say my statement. Here's right. my statement. You and I were talking once, and I'm not going to mention any names um, because I know this person listens to the podcast. Ooh. But uh, this person was, um, you know, thinking about possibly like uh, joining our church, and and one of the thoughts that they had was, well, I really need the time in the pulpit. I really need the time to um, to preach every week, and. You guys are a church planning church, and so you're constantly training other church planners, which means the pulpit is, sh- the, the pulpit is shared. There's multiple right. people in there. And I remember my comment to you is, yeah, but if you really want to get good, you don't want to be preaching all the time. Like You want yeah. the opportunity to watch someone else, and then you come back, and then you get a shot at it. And then, you know, um, obviously, it's actually better... If you can record yourself and then you can watch yourself and, and then watch someone else. And, you know, and it's that back and forth that really helps you hone that, that skill of preaching. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, you, you, you do, you need to watch other people. Lloyd Jones used to say that he was the greatest preacher since Charles Spurgeon. And I would say those two guys, they wouldn't say it about themselves. But I would say they were the best preachers since the, the apostle Paul. I mean, there may be some obscure, Preachers we don't know about, but I mean, you know, pub, you know, popular preachers. Um, they were just phenomenal. Spurgeon has the nickname, the Prince of Preachers. And he talks about this, the, the, the anointing, the Holy Spirit. Um, even, even Peter, like if you, if you want to go back to the scripture, which is probably a good idea. Um, Peter had this unction. I mean, what in the heck happened to him on the day of Pentecost? You know, he went from being the guy a few days earlier who couldn't uh, even to a little girl in the courtyard say that he knew Jesus to standing up, you know, in threat of his very life to thousands of people preaching Christ with power and boldness and authority. And that's what we're talking about. But the place that you get it, Pete, like, okay, so you can you can go places to watch others who have it. That's the first step. Second step is you need to go uh, where only you can go to get it, and that is before God. You have to be alone with God. And, and one of the things that stands out to me is the part that nobody sees gives preachers what everybody wants. Everybody wants to be powerful. Everybody wants to be a powerful preacher. But not everybody wants to go spend time and go to the source of where that power comes from. So let me repeat that. The part that nobody sees of preparation gives preachers what everybody wants. Hmm. And, and where that comes from really is a desperation. I mean, R.A. Tory locked himself in his room and said, I'm not coming out. I'm going to wrestle with the angel until I receive the blessing. And what he, what he basically was talking about was an infilling and, and uh, a greater empowerment, empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And um, Keith Green had this, you know, um, I could just go through, you know, uh, example after example, Whitfield, others who had this, um, they talk about it, um, this transformational experience where, uh, you know, they really felt they had fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit and they became like a weapon in his hands. And um, but it comes through desperation. Desperation is is something that that every preacher has to a degree. And when you're talking about the green room, 
um, that's where I have to get it every week. Like, um, and I'm not saying I always have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but I know that I won't have it unless I spend time before the face of God. So, you know, man, there, there's some, there's some pre, pre-sermon, uh, rituals. Uh, one is making multiple trips to the toilet, man. My nerves are a wreck before I still, preach. even yeah. this day. It's funny you say that, you know, cause I tell, preachers that and they're always like really you know like young preachers they i guess when i preach i don't seem like i would be nervous and maybe i've just over the years i don't show my stress generally anyways but um but i get what's called psychosomatic stress where it comes out in my body i have weird dreams like with dog heads on (laughs) people's suits you know during the zombie apocalypse but um you know, what, what was really, really interesting to me, though, is that my greatest ritual is to just, um, you know, spend, spend time on my face in front of him and just, oh, God. And I, I always feel like I'm asking God to empty me out of me because there's plenty of me in me. Not that I'm saying, God, make me someone I'm not or something I'm not. Um, Lloyd-Jones defined preaching as truth mediated through personality. So God wants to use you. But what I mean by that is the part of me that's not good that I carry into the pulpit with me every time. The part that wants people around me to go, oh, Peyton, that was so good. Oh, Peyton, you're such an awesome preacher. Oh, Peyton, you know, we love you preaching so much. It's not like anywhere else. That's why we come here to this church. You know, all that kind of stuff that your flesh just goes, you know, like Hannibal Lecter, you know, with fava beans on the side, you know, and a nice Chianti. <laughs> you know, that's nasty stuff. Don't eat that. I'm right? telling you, our podcast just gets better later in the day. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you just threw in a Hannibal Lecter reference on a preaching podcast. I know, effortlessly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is that I wasn't even going to miss a beat. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was funny when Church Zero cha-ching, came out, everybody's like, that's how you talk, you know? So uh, I actually found it kind of hard to read. I know that's off the subject. It is hard to read for, for a lot of people. Well, because you kept, like, it's one thing in conversation, but there there was a, so much of it. It was like, okay, he's on another tangent again. He's bringing up Batman again. Oh, there's Voltron, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, that was hard for a lot of people, and I get that. I actually get it. But what's funny to me is the guys who kept reading the book are the guys who like the only thing they've ever read was an issue of sports illustrated. Like that's it. <laughs> like I've never actually read a book, but I kept reading your book and I'm like, oh, and they're cool. perfect to be church planners then. Absolutely. So <laughs> I missed my target audience, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, my mentor, Peter Jeffrey was talking about, he, um, he would go straight, and Lloyd-Jones used to always say uh, the minister should go straight from the prayer room to the pulpit. Robert Murray Machine, uh, if you've not read The Life and Times of the, of the Robert, uh, Reverend Robert Murray Machine, oh my gosh, you have to read that. That book, that book will break you. Mm. That book will show you a man who just, he died at 29 years old. He had poor health, but he was a preacher. Um, Charles Spurgeon traveled to hear him. I traveled up to Scotland in a day where travel was tough just to hear him. He was a Scottish preacher, but it's called, uh, is it, is it life? It might be life and remains of the Robert Murray machine. Oh my gosh. That book rocked me. Oh yeah. I, yeah it is. Yeah. I, I exposed myself to the, to this stuff. At a Wait, young is that age, on DVD man. yet? It's not, on, it's not on DVD yet. No, uh, th- there's a, there's a direct to Blu-ray coming out nice. soon. Um, nice. with 3d Pete, we can watch Woo-hoo! it in 3d. But uh, don't but, get me but, on 3D. I got Age of Ultron in 3D coming today. But but my OK, so my mentor, uh, Peter Jeffrey, was in a place called Rugby, England. Yes, that is where rugby was invented. Someone was playing soccer and a guy picked up the ball and ran with it. I guess he really sucked at soccer. So he thought <laughs> it on my own game and that on the field at uh, uh, the, the, the all boys school rugby was invented. But anyways, he was like within earshot of that place at a church called Station Terrace. And for a number of years, the Holy Spirit just dropped on that place. And someone got saved every single week, which if you know in the 70s and 80s in England, that wasn't happening. But they used to tell stories. I remember going to preach there. Um, they were looking for a pastor. And I, I, I met with the, 
the elder in, in the prayer room. And he said, yeah, I was here during that time. And he said, mm-hmm. the thing we remember was Pete running from the prayer room, like literally running to the pulpit. He'd run and he wasn't a charismatic. He, he would just, he was just ready to go after worship. Like he would just get up there and just preach. And people were, he just said, you know, he couldn't wait to get up there because the Lord was going to move and people were going to get saved. And um, so th- this guy's, this is, this is the bar that, that generations past have known and we don't know. And Satan rips us off through our ignorance. Like it says in the scripture, my people perish for lack of vision or knowledge. I'm trying to instill a vision to give the knowledge of, of, to, to cure our ignorance that we've relegated preaching to just, you know, giving a motivational speech on a Sunday for Christians not to chunk it up so hard. That's not what it is. You need to spread yourself before the Lord in prayer and <clears throat> just ask God to fill you like that. I think I mentioned it where the guy said, uh, you know, he, he was like a tatty old sleeve, but on that Sunday, the Lord filled uh, that sleeve. You know, there when, when God is, uh, I mentioned Robert Murray Machine, I never finished that. When he would come out of the prayer room, because that dude was walking so tight with God, his people would literally say, and I know this, this is crazy talk, but this is from a Reformed Presbyterian congregation um, who don't give themselves to excesses in that department. They said that his face seemed to glow. Interesting. Um, that 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 it was as if his face glowed. Um, there there are people that that just say you know there was something so different about him um, that you know when when you came when he would preach and I I believe the Holy Spirit is still looking for preachers to fill with that same fire, power and authority as he did in the Book of Acts. You know, I dig it, man. I dig it. Well, we're about out of time because we're actually over. Yeah, as usual. As usual. <laughs> let me let me close then with one more quote, and it's by uh, Whitfield, and he says this: "Our work is of such importance that I frequently tremble exceedingly before entering the pulpit. Yes, I wonder each time how I ever dared to engage in such a work in the first place." Yet when I'm laboring to speak a little, I am frequently so much overpowered with the sense of the divine presence that I would not leave my work for all the world. Oh, how merciful is God our Savior. He strengthens our weak hands. Mm. And uh, it's just, you know, it's from one of the greats, one of the greatest soul winners the church has ever seen. That was how he felt. And, And maybe there's a disconnect, you know, maybe there's something there. But if preaching is a spiritual gift, why wouldn't it make sense that you would get a greater power in it by going to prayer and seeking the Lord for more? Hmm. Wow, man, that's cool. You know, I, I had a thought while you were talking there at the end, and I'll, I'll close with this comment. Do you think Spurgeon or Lloyd-Jones, I mean, you've read them a lot more than I have. As you look back on them, do you think they were a math pastor or maybe like a non-math pastor? <laughs> well, I happen to believe that the brain is separated into two dim I haves, and I made that word up. But uh, if I bisected a brain, there would be a right half, Pete, and a left half. And I do believe that Charles Spurgeon being the second Shakespeare of the English language, although unappreciated because he was a minister, um, I do believe, Pete, that he would have been a right-brained uh, preacher, maybe left-handed, maybe very good in literature, like myself. <laughs> I'm just joking. A uh, simple yes or no would suffice. I think that Spurgeon was probably a non-math pastor. I think so, too. I think he actually used simplifiedchurch.com, even though that wasn't around. But I'm just saying. Yeah, he, he had people that did those things for him. And if you want to be like Charles Spurgeon, well... <laughs> then you also will have someone do stuff like that for you. So you can give yourself to prayer and spreading yourself out before the Lord and asking for a greater anointing. That's where simplifiedchurch.com comes in. (laughs) 
That's the new tagline. Get a greater anointing. Be Use like simplifychurch.com. Be like Spurgeon. Get simplifychurch.com. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. This is why you don't let us ad lib your, your sponsorship. I'm just saying. Yeah, because we're not going to read the same thing for a year. No way. <laughs> we're going to start making stuff up. <laughs> So if you need help with payroll, bookkeeping, accounting, payroll, bookkeeping, accounting, <laughs> any of that math stuff. <laughs> what about bookkeeping, payroll, and accounting, Pete? Uh, and workers' comp and website design. Basically anything on the admin side, or as we like to call it, the math side. Yeah, reporting to the IRS. Go to SimplifyChurch.com, and they'll do all that for you. SimplifyChurch.com. Spurgeon uses them. So should you. <laughs> I so want that t-shirt <laughs> with Spurgeon on it with the little bubble that says be like me get simplifiedchurch.com I love it dude tell them Peyton and Pete sent you I love it alright well cool hey guys this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music